What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Cooperators Reviewers Couch. I am one of your hosts, and I am joined today by my Gryffindor friend, Mr. Carmen. How's it going, Carmen? I don't necessarily identify with being a Gryffindor, but I'm mean, I mean, like, I don't identify as any of this. How, how's the system in this? Anyway, I'll get into that in a bit. Hi. <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And as always, I am joined by the man, the myth, the Hufflepuff, the Gabe. That's right, Gabe. You're a Hufflepuff. We all know. That is me. I I am. Yeah. I am. Yeah, I'm not denying it. I totally am. Who determines that Gabe's a Hufflepuff? Oh, we determined that a long time ago. It's the test that you can and take. the test. What test? The, is there a buzz? Oh, is there a BuzzFeed quiz? No, it's uh, on no. Pottermore. Oh, is that like a that. division of BuzzFeed or what? Yeah, it's the Harry Potter yeah. division of BuzzFeed. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, but yeah, we made him take the test and he got the Hufflepuff. I got uh, Slytherin, Natch, and uh, we just assume that you're Gryffindor. Nah, because I'm... let's be honest, you're not nerd enough to go onto Pottermore and do that test. <laughs> goddamn muggle <laughs> oh god gross that's i did i did the test i got muggle muggle <laughs> syndrome it like automatically shuts down the site and just says you're a muggle get out it's like do you believe in magic and i was like if there's a steady paycheck in it i'll believe whatever you want and then it was like you're not <laughs> you're a ghostbuster <laughs> <laughs> so that works all right if you didn't know, each and every week on the Cooperators Reviewers Couch, we talk about a movie in the series that we're currently watching. Right now, we are going through Harry Potter. And this week, we're going to be talking about Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Or if you're from the United States, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, yeah, what's up with the Philosopher's Stone, anyway? Like, this guy's a philosopher, and he's like, oh yeah, it's my stone that I made. I, I think it's got... I think philosopher kind of means sorcerer and... Uh, England speak. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, See, I, I wasn't aware of that. I thought this guy was just like, oh, I'm a philosopher. This is my stone. I, w I feel like a more appropriate name for it would just be like the magic stone of life or something like that, since oh, it makes the elixir of life. I was going to say the guy who wasted his time in university uh, getting a philosophy degree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, if, like I was saying, if you didn't know, um, you can catch us on social media channels. Uh, I will go through that later, as well as you can catch us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Mm. Um, so like I said, we are going through Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. We're going to call that because we are not American. Uh, it was directed by Chris Columbus, produced by David Heyman, screenplay by Steve Kloves. I'm going to get better at doing these because I forgot throughout the entire last series, I'm pretty sure. Um with a budget of 125 million and a box office of nearly 1 billion dollars at 978 million dollars. It's a pretty good return on that. Decent. Yeah. Um this mm -hmm. being the first Harry Potter movie, it was actually it was actually nominated for some awards. Uh, unlike I think every other movie we've done so far in review. Um it was nominated for best original music score. Best production design and best costume design, but didn't win any of them at all. But you know, John Williams, I think, could have easily won it for this score because it's amazing. It's pretty uh, good. Yeah. Um. What about some initial thoughts, guys? I'm sure you guys have both seen these movies before because they're pretty old. But at the same time, you want to see because I feel like Carmen, you haven't watched them in quite a long time. I'm not sure about you, Gabe. 
Yeah, I haven't seen them in a while. It was it's good. It's a it's a good movie. I think a lot of underrated things about the film rewatching it, like the cinematography is quite actually spectacular. I think um, it's neat to know where the film starts because where you know it's going to end in terms of the whole franchise. Um, I think it's really interesting watching the performances and how you know these actors are going to evolve and all the performers are going to evolve. And knowing storylines and plot is really difficult to separate it mm-hmm. from knowing what you know. Yeah. And I think that's difficult. But I think overall as a film, I think there are a lot of themes uh, that touch on it uh, that are quite fitting for today. Mm-hmm. So I, I, would, I would say it's like, it's one of those films that's still quite timeless which is, you could say, is a very good thing and also a bad thing. Because, you know, you'd think things would be addressed by now. But they're not. But that's okay. Uh, it's quite the ride. It's also quite the ride, too. So. Yeah, how about you, Carmen? What'd you think about Harry Potter? I kind of saw it as a comic book movie. There's a lot of things in it that are very silly and things that are just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's that's the way it is. It's You know, that's how it works. And a lot of kind of uh, archetypes and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The, when I was watching, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is just like, I don't know. I didn't feel like uh, it treated me like I was a super smart person. I feel like it was kind of like, oh, this is the bad guy. This, These are the good guys. This is the problem. I mean, we are watching a movie series that was, like, made for children. So I think... And it probably has to explain some of that stuff for the younger crowd, too. Fair enough. But, I mean, there was uh, – I think that you kind of need to treat children with a certain amount of respect. And I think they can handle things yeah. maybe more than some of us think. And so, uh, you know, if you want to make stupid adults, then show kids stupid movies. That's, that's fair. Um, yeah. I, I mean, for me, I watch this movie a couple times a year at least. Um, I remember back in university, I used to have these movies just on like a loop as I did like papers and stuff because I could just have them in the background. Um, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. Read those books multiple times a year too. So um, I like it. I was interesting going through though with a more critical eye. Like I caught things that I don't think I'd ever caught before, and I'll talk about some of them. And some things actually made me very angry <laughs> this time while I was watching with like a more critical eye. Uh, like, I never really liked a couple of the characters, but this time they made me even more angry, like Ron and, uh, Snape. So, and kind of just, like, the way they treat children in this movie is just, like, kind of deplorable. Um, but, yeah, I liked them. I, I mean, I could watch this again easily. I think I'm gonna probably watch it again this weekend, uh, before I go into the second one. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think... It's a great movie, and it's very, like Gabe said, it was timeless. It's iconic, right? Um, and I am I could also see it being remade in the next, you know, 10, 15 years, uh, just because oh. of the story. Well, I mean, it depends on what happens with the author, because all that stuff's kind of gone to hell recently. But other than that, I think just based on the story and stuff, it could definitely be redone with better graphics and uh, maybe different actors. But yeah. Uh, sure. All that said about me shitting on it, I did enjoy it, and I do think it's, as Gabe said, it's a wild ride. Mm-hmm. I like that you compared it to a superhero movie, though, because I think it does have those same kind of, you need to suspend your disbelief and just kind of go along with it. Uh, just kind of buckle in. I think there's a lot of foundation set up. 
for this for the for the entire series. I think this film does a pretty good job of it, and not in a way that Pirates of the Caribbean did, or Pacific Rim tried to do with the second one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a couple interesting facts before I jump into the plot. Uh, J.K. Rowling insisted that the cast be kept British originally. Uh, working with uh, both Columbus and Rowling, uh, Susan Figgis, who was the casting director, uh, auditioned the lead roles of Ron, Harry, and Hermione, uh, where an open casting call was made for all three roles. Only British children were being considered during this time, though. Uh, principal auditions took uh, in three parts, those editions having to read pages from the novel itself instead of from a script. Um, I think for the part of Harry, they interviewed, like, I think it was, like, over 4,000 people, 4,000 kids for it, which is insane, but I guess, I mean, it's so big, right? Uh, at the time, Daniel Radcliffe was virtually unknown. I think he had done one or two roles, one being the Barber of Seville, which apparently is awful. Uh, I've never seen it, but my mom said it was just, like, one of the worst things she's ever watched. Um, then two newcomers were Rupert Grint and Emma Watson, with this being their first roles in film. Uh, yeah, so I thought it was pretty good. And uh, the films had to be shot back-to-back -back because they didn't want to make these movies into, like, combine them at all. They wanted to make separate movies for each. Uh, as well, they didn't want the kids to age out at all, so... I'm pretty sure the second movie started filming three days after the first one wrapped. So they really didn't have any kind of break in between any of these movies to make sure that they didn't overage them. That's intense. Yeah. Especially because, like, all kinds of, like, child labor laws were in place. And the kids were only allowed to work, like, I think five or six hours a day. Mm. Uh, because every... Every hour they had to have a break, then they had to have a break for lunch, and then they had to have one more break. So it took, like, their 10-hour day and, like, condensed it so much. Um, so they had very limited time with those kids. And they also had to do real studies uh, during this time, too. But never homework. So, I mean, that's a plus, right? Uh, a couple other uh, fun facts here. J.K. Rowling was actually offered the role of Lily Potter in the movie. Uh, she declined it, saying that she would not be good as an actress, um, which I probably would agree with. Um, the poltergeist Peeves, who shows up in the books, uh, was originally going to be in the film, uh, but was later removed. And uh, I guess he was just too hard to like animate properly to be in a lot of the scenes. And as a backlash, uh, J.K. Rowling started including him more and more in the later books. Just to be like a big fuck you to the studio. Um, the owls actually uh, were trained how to hold letters. Instead of using like animated owls, they trained the owls for six months to be able to hold letters. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, and uh, the last one I have here is uh, Harry Potter never casts a single spell in this movie. No, he makes that the club. Oh, oh wait, no, that was wrong. Nope, that was wrong. Yeah. He never casts a single spell, at least to completion. So he tries to cast Wingardium Leviosa in class. You see him say it once, but he doesn't actually do it. But after that, never casts a spell. Yeah, that was weird. That, that last scene when like Hermione's like, "You're a great wizard, Harry." And then <laughs> he's like, "He's like, oh, thanks. I haven't done anything though. I've done fuck all." 
So I thought that was pretty funny. Because uh, I'd never noticed that until this run through. And I was like, what the heck? He's supposed to be a wizard. And he all he does is like ride a broom. Like he's a Quidditch player. And that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to put in there before I jump into the plot time? Chris Columbus. Not the guy that not Chris uh, Columbus. Yeah, not the guy that like murdered all those people or whatever. Yeah. Chris Columbus, who I think all those people. I think he's worked on a lot <laughs> of things. You can't say that. I don't know. Yeah, I just, I that out. God, just addressed it. What you have to edit that out? <laughs> that bad? Those people come on, Carmen. No, that's it. No, yeah. that's it. Gabe, stop. <laughs> Gabe, come back. Gabe's me. Close himself. your Facebook app. You turned off your targeting computer. Something wrong? Uh, uh, should, yeah. we talk, should we also <laughs> mention that uh, the views of the people on this don't reflect uh, those of J.K. Rowling? Yes. Uh, so there's been a lot going on with J.K. Rowling. We don't want to harp on it too much, but uh, we want to say that our views do not coincide with hers. Uh, she's the right to her own opinions, but we do not agree with those wholeheartedly so um i'm pretty sure she's gonna say the next about us next time she's on a podcast yeah, she'd be like, by the way by, the, by the way the cooperators don't don't uh their opinions don't reflect my own and uh i'm gonna go have some crumpets and mash now because i'm british it's <laughs> <laughs> a terrible british accent um I don't know what right. to say. All right, yeah, Gabe. No, Mr. Really Grumpy. about Christopher Columbus. He <laughs> actually has a very big uh, history movie. Dick. Including oh, uh, Gremlins, uh, The Goonies, both good. Uh, Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Miss Doubtfire. Damn, yeah. I know, he's, I know he directed Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2, but did he Did he direct The Goonies? I don't think he directed The Goonies. Mm-hmm. Apparently. I'm looking at his... Uh, Wikipedia stuff right now. He was, oh, oh uh, he did the screenplay for uh, the Goonies. Right. Did Did Chris Columbus do the rest of the movies too? No, he was only on for like a little bit because remember, uh, what's his pickle picks up the second yeah. half of the films. I forget what his name is. He's he's um. It's it's not Alexander or Ellis. Oh, what the fuck is his last name? Uh, we'll get to that. I don't have a com- I don't have a computer in front of me. But yeah, he kind of tra- he he does a beautiful job of transitioning the film into a darker kind of side. a more darker tone and mature tone. Like there's a whole thing I want to talk about with Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, we'll get to that when it get there. No future spoilers, Gabe. Uh, yeah, but sorry. he did uh, direct the first and second film, Carmen. So they were like, oh yeah, you know who'd be good to direct Harry Potter? The guy that did Home Alone. Yep, and Home Alone too. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, why not, right? <laughs> about kids like doing the it kind of makes it kind of makes sense if you think about it. It does make sense though. <clears throat> like he has he has really good experience working with uh with children actors mm-hmm. right that's true like it, it kind of makes sense to some degree and also i think for the tone of the film which it uh, doesn't have a home alone vibe to it yeah he's been he's i been mean a, you 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 yeah. you said carmen in your opening it kind of did like you said it's a comical film right but it's i think it's i don't know i think this film bounces genre a bit mm-hmm. like it it does it does turn into like a mystery like a whodunit yeah. Um. Like, like I think that's an interesting point Ben brings up. Like, I'm gonna say something. I'm here's a hot take I've got right now. Can we just skip the plot summary and just jump right in, and just talk about this thing? Because everyone's seen the film. Everybody has seen this film. You know what I mean? 
I, yeah. I don't know. But I mean, that's just I mean, me going yeah. off the cuff here. I'm just I'm just throwing an audible. I'm throwing an audible. How? Why? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm easy. I'm fine with the. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Because I was gonna say, I think that's such an interesting thing that Ben brings up of Harry never casting a spell in the entire film, but he's a detective. He's the cop in the film. Like he's trying to figure out all these things that are happening. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's, it's very. I mean, uh, yeah, we can do it either way. I I do have my notes here. If we want to go into it, I can try and keep it shorter. Yeah, I mean, it's up to you guys. I I just think. Um, I mean, we could do it. We could do it too. Why don't you do it, Ben? And then we you can edit it out if you want to edit it out. Yeah, and I mean, always feel free to jump in when I say stuff too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, right. On. We can uh, take this in a little more free form than we usually do, and just uh, jump in and have some uh, thoughts about certain parts. Uh, yeah. All right, go for it. All right. We open up on Privet Drive at night, where this old dude, Albus Dumbledore, with a boss ass beard. <laughs> oh my god! Can say sorry. Carmen's got a <laughs> Jar Jar Binks movie cup. <laughs> He's just drinking it like an asshole. Um, Albus Dumbledore with his boss ass beard is walking down the street and he starts turning off the lamps one by one but doesn't take out the house lamps for some reason so he's not really in the dark at all he's just kind of walking down a slightly darker street uh, which is even more suspicious than uh, just him walking down the street normally God damn it. <laughs> I did not watch this. <laughs> of course. It's been in the basement for years. Like 20 years. <laughs> You're so gross. All right. Uh, we then see the shadow of a cat turning into one of the bamps of this series, Professor McGonagall. Uh, here we learn that some bad shit has gone down, uh, and then someone named Hagrid is coming. Enter the lovable giant Hagrid flying on his weird flowing flying motorcycle that seems really big because he's a huge dude and kind of seems like a normal sized motorcycle carrying baby Harry Potter Dumbledore decides instead of leaving the kid with a wizard family he leaves him with a family who we learn is just the worst sort of muggle imaginable and yes they are they are just complete dickheads uh, we wanted him to be safe if you want him to be safe why don't you take him to in Dumbledore come on why don't you raise him at the school or something? Like, protect him that way instead of just, like, sending him off to be, like, a slave and with a shit family. Uh, I've got to say, this is, like, one of those plot holes in this entire series that is just awful and kind of lame. There's an explanation for it. Yeah, but it doesn't come to, like, the very end of the fucking series. So, uh, it just it just doesn't make a lot of sense why he wouldn't just be like, oh, well, we'll raise him at the school and have him, like, as this kid and protect him here or, you know, give him to a really powerful family. But instead, just to this awful thing where he's treated like a slave. Flash forward 10 years and Harry Potter is living in a closet under the stairs that is locked from the outside. Um, when his piece of shit comes and yells at him that they're going to the zoo while jumping on the stairs and making dust, or, uh, dust come down. Uh, we learn that not only does he live under the stairs, but he's treated like human garbage in this house. As Dudley complains uh, about only getting 36 presents, Harry is told to make the coffee, get uh, get breakfast ready, and not to burn anything. Harry is honestly treated so poorly that I'm surprised that he, the first thing he does when he gets magic is to come back to this house and burn to the ground. 
um, heading out to the zoo. Harry's told that if any funny business happens at the zoo, he won't eat for a week. You know, uh, scratch that, scratch the burning the house thing. Just uh, maybe turn them all into cockroaches and then keep the house for yourself. Why not, right? Right? That doesn't burn down a perfectly good house. Harry talks at the zoo to a boss-ass snake. I love this thing. I love that he's, like, actually super polite as a snake. Um... When Dudley knocks him to the ground to get a better look at what's happening, uh, the glass disappears as Harry is scowling at him. Uh, and then he falls into this disgusting water. Like, I've got to say, I've been to many an aquarium and thing, and that water must have been full of all kinds of weird bacteria. Oh, yep. Yeah. Um... And as the snake slithers off, Dudley goes to exit the snake encaptured area, and the glass is back. Harry laughing, and D Vernon Dursley glaring at Harry, knowing that he probably uses weird magic ass shit on the glass to trap his son. Getting home, Harry is locked back under the stairs after Vernon is triggered when Harry says uh, the M word, or in the the worst word in the Dursley's Dictionary. Magic. Oh, it's magic. We flash forward. Uh, now, Gabe actually didn't see this scene, Carmen, that we saw, uh, because we watched the extended edition. I don't think Gabe watched. Which scene? Uh, we see uh, Dudley, or, yeah, Dudley Dursley in his ugly-ass school uniform with the weird top hat thing oh, yeah. uh, as he goes to smeltings uh, while Petunia dyes some of Dudley's old clothing. Uh, I should mention here that the first, I think, six films we are going to watch will be extended versions if you get them from me, Carmen. Uh, so, uh, I've got to say, like, just kind of interject here. If, you know, if they had told Harry about his past or, you know, made him grow up hating magic none of this probably would have been an issue like if they treated him nicely like dudley and stuff and that he was if it was told like he had magic he'd probably be like oh i don't want that shit i don't want to go there i want to stay with my sweet ass family but you in, think so I, why not like if he was grown like if he was taught to like hate that kind of world then why would he go live in it like if he was treated well and like he was given all the things that dudley had but I I people digress. do different things because, uh, yeah, he might have just rejected Hogwarts letter like a lot of university students with do with uh, their universities. Uh, so uh, here the letter comes in to Harry from Hogwarts. Say, uh, but Dudley steals it away before Harry can open it fully and gives it to Vernon. Here, Vernon and Petunia both see Hogwarts on the letterhead and get instantly worried. What's kind of weird here, though, is that Dudley also looks really worried, even though he would know nothing about Hogwarts, because I doubt her, his parents would tell him about it. But he looks super worried about it anyways. Goddamn you and yet stupid Jar Jar Binks Cup. Um... So Vernon starts to take measures into his own hands by getting rid of anything that can make the owl start to uh, give letters into it. But a lot of owls start congregating out of this house. And if I was the neighbors, I'd be like, uh, what the hell is happening with this infestation of owls in my neighborhood in the middle of the day? Not even at night. Like, why are they all awake and doing shit? 
Here we get another extended scene where Petunia is cracking eggs and each one is a Hogwarts letter inside because fuck you, family. Those letters are like wizard crabs. Once you get one, they're never going away. Also, if they knew Harry wasn't getting the letters, why didn't they just like magic one into his room, like under his pillow or something? Like, why did they go through all this like really crazy steps to like get the letters to him by? That's not how magic works, Ben. <laughs> they could put them inside eggs. <laughs> Like, he could just magic it into his room. Like, make his pillow into a bunch of letters. But that's fine. It'd be a lot easier, I guess, to try and deliver him to a household that doesn't want him to go. But Hogwarts does not fuck around, and wizards will not be denied. And uh, at one point, while on a Sunday when no letters are given, uh, wiz letters start to come through the fireplace in droves and it becomes a whirlwind of letters and Vernon has now had enough and he takes the entire family off to this weird deserted island that like looks like it could really be taken out by any one of these waves that are starting uh it's extra sad because it's Harry's birthday and he's like sleeping on the floor in the dirt and he makes himself a dirt birthday cake uh, and as soon as he blows out the candles we hear a big knock at the door and who is it Carmen? It's, uh, Jack. <laughs> Wait, no, Johnny. Wait, here is Johnny. Oh, jeez. Yeah. All right, it's actually Hagrid, the big, lovable giant that we met at the beginning of the movie. And he busts down the door, bends Vernon's shotgun, and he brings out a cake that he might have sat on for young Harry. Here we get the great line, you're a wizard, Harry, which is very iconic. I don't actually think happens in the book. <laughs> But it's such a good line anyways. That's right, Harry Potter, you are a wizard and you don't need to stay with this shit family anymore. You get to go to Hogwarts for part of the year. And here's where my thirst for revenge would start, even though I guess I'm not a 10 year old. But I would come back to this family and just enact so much revenge with my magic. Here we go to Diagon Alley. Uh, Harry and Hagrid go to and buy his school things. There's not another extended scene here, but it's kind of just a precursor to a normal scene of him talking about all the things he's going to need. Uh, he was told that students can have an owl, a cat, or a toad, and that's stupid. Why can't you have a dog? I know Gabe would want a dog if he went to Hogwarts. Because it's not weird enough. It's not wizardly. Why is a cat weird? It's wizardly. It's like, think about Halloween animals. Well, I was thinking, like, probably with witchcraft and such, with sorcery and spells. Okay. Probably. I want, like, a little, like, fucking wiener dog. It's pretty weird. Oh. Kind of looks like dog. Yeah. Um, sure. To get to Dying in Alley, you need to go through a bar, which I guess is okay, because in the worst world, they don't really care about children going to bars. Uh, and Hagrid decides to announce that he is with Harry Potter. Uh, where the bar starts to go crazy because he's super famous. Um, here we also meet Professor Quirrell, and he doesn't actually shake Harry's hand. Actually, one thing I noticed uh, this time around, Quirrell never touched Harry. Because if he did, then we probably would have seen that, like, the last scene at the very beginning. Um, but yeah, I would love to go here. I would love to go to Diamond Alley. I've been to... Uh, Harry Potter world, and it was pretty sweet, but real life, mm, things are going on here, guys. Except for I mean, you can go to like, you know, various uh, spots in the UK and like, you know, these alleys, 
like in York, for instance, and get a similar experience where oh, yeah? it's just like narrow what? kind of roads, cobblestone, various shops, haunted pubs, you know, the usual. Haunted pubs? I mean, you know, if it gets people in the bar. <laughs> All right, we go to Gringotts so that Harry can take out some money and Hagrid can grab some weird little package uh, that is like alone in a vault. Uh, and we also learn here that Harry's parents left him a small fortune when they died. And there was like a buttload of gold in that place, man. Um, and now it's time for Ollivanders, the maker of great wands. Weird old dude gives Harry a wand. Harry fucks up the shop a lot, destroying that shit, knocking things down, breaking stuff. He could have accidentally hit Ollivander with that and killed him, you know, whatever. Uh, I know Carmen has some thoughts. Do you want to say those here? Or do you want to wait? You're on mute. All right, you're gonna wait later. Okay, cool. Later, sorry. Yeah. Um, but the third time, the charm, like charm, like most movies, and he gets the right wand that gives some weird wind. And Ollivander seems really weird about this, uh, being like, uh, the brother of this wand did great things, terrible but great. Uh, which, I mean, kind of sounds like a guy sympathizing with a dictator, but you know, whatever. Um, here we also do get a little bit of a flashback to Perry's parents, uh, their death, uh, from Lord Voldemort. Though, one thing you also notice is that you never see Lord Voldemort's face here, because they didn't want to choose the actor yet for who's going to play him permanently. I wondered about that. Yeah, so we, as much as we get the actor later on the back of Quirrell's head, we don't actually get the real uh, permanent actor for it in this movie. Um, so I was looking up I, who played Ollivander, and it's John Hurt. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, classic. I, uh, I, uh, yeah, it's good, man. It's really, he did you, a good job. Do you, want, do you want me to go into the wand shop no, stuff now? we can do that later. Because uh, I'm going to try and uh, speed this up a little and cut out some of my notes as we go. Okay. Uh, now it's time for the train. Haggard pieces out without actually explaining to Harry how to get to nine and three quarters. Uh, this is uh, just terrible. Uh, kind of a dick move on his part. <laughs> Be like, all right, you, I know what to do, right? I mean, you didn't grow up in our world or understand any of this shit, but you know what to do. All right, bye, Harry. Um, and in such a dick way, he doesn't even say bye. Like, he just disappears. <laughs> uh, after the small kid uh, asks the platform attendant uh, where platform nine and three quarters is, instead of helping Harry or asking to see his ticket for this little kid who's alone in a train station, he just like, oh, you ha are you having a laugh? Like, like, what the fuck? Like, this kid could be like like lost and alone and oh you know he's just an orphan and all that you know don't don't help up the orphans whatever um but luckily just at that moment a wizard family very loudly announces that there's a bunch of muggles on the platform and they're going to platform nine and three quarters don't want to hide that or anything from the uh non-magic folk but you know whatever uh could have done a better a little better with the writing probably like you know this is kind of a lame way to find out about it all but um he gets through the plat to the platform with the help of Mrs. Weasley, who is another bamf of this series. Um, onto the train they go, and let's be honest, no one wanted Ron in their compartment. That's why he's like, oh, they're all full. They weren't all full. They just didn't want him in their compartment because he's the worst. Um, 
so he asks about Harry's scar, calls it wicked. Yeah, wicked that parents, uh, Harry's parents got brutally murdered in front of him and uh, he got left with this giant scar on his forehead. You know, that's totally wicked, Ron. Way to have some tact. Like, fuck. Um, and then the treat car- comes along and Harry buys it all because fuck you to all the kids who are in the next parts of the compartment. I'm going to take the entire cart because only we get candy. Maybe some we'll have the law. Hang out. With Ron, because he, let's be honest, no one wants to otherwise. We... I want to, I want to say that next time we go to the pub, Ben. What? When they're like, what, what? When they come by, and they're like, what do you guys want? And I'm gonna be like, we'll have the law. <laughs> oh jeez, they're gonna like bring a whole bunch of bottles to the table. Most expensive night out ever. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, we get a scene where Ron's kind of talking about all the different. Uh, weird magic stuff that's going on and that he has a spell to turn his rat yellow (laughs) stupid Jar Jar Binks now we meet the young Emma Watson Hermione Granger who let's be honest will always be my forever crush Uh, she walks in as Ron okay what like she's like 10 in this movie Whoa, whoa. when this movie came out I was also like 10 so fuck off okay all right (laughs) and Emma Watson now still bamf still super hot Wait, what is Bamf? Badass motherfucker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, you're putting Emma Watson in the same boat as Mrs. Weasley? And oh, I was yeah. like, is that like a like a sex thing going on <laughs> I there? Because uh, Professor McGonagall, so I mean... <laughs> oh. <yes>. um, right. <laughs> uh, no, it's badass motherfucker. Uh, Hermione Granger walks in as Ron is about to fail his first of many spells in this series, and she judges him super hardcore. Uh, and comes out, uh, I mean, okay, so I've got to say, a couple times in this series, or in this movie series, the kids come out and start, like, doing these spells, and they're always rhymes. But when you listen to every spell that actually works in this series, none of them are rhymes. None of them. Like, kids, shit doesn't rhyme. You grew up in magic families, you should know better. Yeah, that's what, just, like, magic trolling. That's yeah. what you do. Just like, oh yeah, try this <laughs> spell, you idiot. <laughs> And they're usually like one or two words, but whatever. We're going to keep going here. Uh, she shows him up by instantly repairing uh, Harry's glasses. Again, she is a bamf. Uh, we are now onto the boats, which are super majestic and creepy. Uh, especially because in the books, I know they talk about how people sometimes fall into the lake and could easily die from the giant squid that's there. Time to get started. Uh, let's start this with Harry snuffing Draco as he tries to talk to him. Because let's be honest, that kid looks like he's a huge dick. Like, the way that his hair is and just his attitude. Ugh. It takes about three seconds for you to hate him. Uh, now, before I get into the sorting, I have a couple... Uh, Dumbledore had a couple notes. The Dark Forest is strictly forbidden to all students. Uh, that's not a thing. They get taken there later. Oh, and the third floor corridor is out of bounds because it'll lead to a painful death. Hmm. Maybe put up a sign. You know, some yellow tape. Uh, or, you know, you have magic, so you can put magic on there. No, 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 no. We're going to put a very simple lock on there. But only on the inside doors. <laughs> not on the main doors. It's fine. Um... But, you know, who cares? Maybe we'll run and walk up there sometimes and just get eaten. All right, people are about to get sorted into their houses. Professor McGonagall has this list that maybe should be alphabetical, but let's be honest, it's just in random-ass order. I mean, Granger to Malfoy to Bones to Weasley to Potter. Get your shit together, Professor McGonagall. 
I know you're awesome, but man, put them in a regular order, not just a random ass shit. Hermione gets sorted into uh, Gryffindor naturally, because she's awesome. Malfoy with Slytherin, Bones into Hufflepuff, Weasley into Gryffindor, because that's where the rest of the Weasleys are. And then comes Harry, and this one seems to be hard for it. It wants to put him into one of three houses, it seems. Uh, either Ravenclaw, Slytherin, or Gryffindor. Uh, Harry, so I know in a movie it's hard to, like, have, like, the internal dialogue uh, between him and the hat, but he is, the hat is very loudly exclaiming that Harry is saying not Slytherin. And if I was a Slytherin, like, in that face, I'd be like, oh, that guy, he's gonna get so beat up later. Like, fuck you, we don't want you. Yeah, fuck you. Even better if it's he's like not Slytherin. Nothing is like, oh, you don't want to be in Slytherin? Slytherin. <laughs> he's in there and he's just like, uh, hey guys, I'm happy to be here. And they're just like, fuck you. <laughs> that's the ultimate that's, reality. That's how that goes down. Nice yeah, job. Not, not that one. Okay, that one. Oh, <laughs> just to like troll him, that'd be so good. Well, I'm not Yoda. Oh, okay, geez. I'm Yoda. <laughs> So we start off into the classes. Uh, they go to, I think, Professor McGonagall's class two, where she tells them uh, he should she should turn him into a map or a, a watch so they can get to class on time. So that was kind of funny. First time she's like kind of been a dick, uh, but she roasts them so hard, so good. Uh, the kids then go to potion class where Snape starts talking to the students right away, uh, telling them they're not going to be waving their wands in this class. Alan Rickman, another bamf. Man, I miss him. He's such a good actor. Uh, he starts talking about some awesome art that is potion making, and man, I'd be enthralled by this. Uh, I don't like him as a character, but man, like the way he speaks about it, super awesome. Until he calls out Harry for making notes. Like, I'm sure Harry was like told to make notes on everything, like we were all told in school. And then he gets called out, like super hard, and he's like such an asshole. Like, stop bullying your students. Like, fuck off, Snape. Um unredeemable character so that's why you don't like snape then no you there's a lot like of reasons why i don't hate like snape. there's so many reasons i don't like snape. you don't like snape i don't oh i think he's a terrible character and he's so unredeemable oh no yeah. oh you and i are gonna have so many disagreements yeah. throughout this film yeah. oh my he's... god yeah oh. snape needs to fuck off um, i got some things to talk about later on too uh he calls it harry for not knowing all these random f facts about different potiony things and uh just a little uh future spoiler so the first one, uh, Asphodel and uh, Wormwood, we don't actually learn about the Draft of Living Death until the sixth year. Uh, Abyssoir, they don't learn about again until the sixth year. Uh, and then uh, Monkhood and Wolfsbane, we learn about in the third year. So none of these students would know anything about this except for Hermione, because she's a nerd. Like, no one knew any of this shit. Like, fuck off, Snape. Yeah, well, you know, when I used to be a math teacher, I would go into my uh, grade two's my, and I would be like, all right, who knows how to solve for X? <laughs> and then they would be like, what? And I'd be like, all right, who's going to graph this Cartesian plane? And they'd be like, what? And I'd be like, all right, who's going to do long division? And they'd be like, uh, and I'd be like, yeah, you're fucking idiots. Yeah. That's exactly oh, Mr. Just McCutcheon, I know, I know the answer, Mr. McCutcheon. No, it's, shut up, little uh, girl. One, five, 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 <laughs> eat shit. Because that's what... <laughs> She said, he said, too, like, she knew the answer. She, he's basically like, shut the fuck up, Hermione. No one cares about you knowing the answers. I was trying to be an asshole. So, fuck you, Snape. Um, oh, just, uh, just, yeah. Okay, I digress. 
Yeah, I, no one bought, no one read those books. I didn't even read books in university, let's be honest. I didn't pay $400 for my textbooks, I just kind of went with it. Uh, he also takes away five points from Gryffindor, uh, because Harry, like, talks back like an awesome person. Just like, you know, like, Hermione knows, why don't you ask her? He's like, nope, that's lip. Five points from Gryffindor, which, let's be honest, doesn't come down to much when, mm, at the end of this movie. Next, uh, we go to the Great Hall where mail comes. We get uh, the scene with Neville and the Remember All. Here we learn that Neville is kind of useless as well and is very forgetful. Uh, as he holds the Remember All, the smoke turns red and he's like, Oh, I can't remember what I forgot. <laughs> I'm sure as, when, I was, when I was little, it was probably really funny, but I thought that was a pretty, pretty bad joke. Uh, we also learn that someone tried to break into Gringotts and... Uh, into the vault that Hagrid had removed the stone from earlier in the movie. Next, uh, we uh, go to flying time. Harry takes a liking to this as Carmen took a liking to masturbating in college. Ron, on the other hand, gets his face hit and Hermione can't seem to do it at all. It's okay, Hermione. Not everyone is cut out for sports. Let's be honest, she would never get onto a Quidditch team. She's much too smart for that kind of thing because I'm sure there's so many concussions that sport. Um, now we get Neville uh, <laughs> losing control of his broom and it seems like the teacher is like blaming him for what's happening and he's obviously not in control. Like, she doesn't even really try and help him to like get control of it. Uh, like She has her wand out and then just dives out of the way instead of stopping him. Um, I thought that was a little bit thing but we also get gooey Neville here as he falls. Uh, the like I said, the animation's pretty old and doesn't look great in this movie. Uh, we get a lot of gooey people when it comes to Quidditch. You mean graphical user interface? Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> Connor, you're such a nerd. Uh, <laughs> maybe I should put you in Ravenclaw. All right. And I'm drinking out of a goddamn Jar Jar Binks <laughs> movie cup. What the fuck do you think I am? You're not even drinking out of it. You're just putting, putting his head in your mouth. I'm on, I'm on a goddamn Harry Potter podcast. All right, and now I'm drinking out of a Jar Jar Binks cup. Now that the teacher is gone and Neville has a broken wrist, Malfoy is a dick and flies off with Neville. Remember all that he uh, dropped with Neville. Ne sorry, with Traco having the shitty comment uh, that maybe if he had. Uh, squeezed it, he would remember to fall on his fat ass. Like, what an asshole. Come on. Um, here we get that Harry is innately just an amazing... Um, <laughs> smells like car wash. <laughs> uh, we get that Harry's just an amazing flyer, uh, as he has no flight training, but is instantly able to go at top speeds and catch the Rimberall mid-flight while stopping on a dime. We think that uh, McGonagall sees him on the broom and we think oh shit he is going to get in trouble but instead he gets added to the Gryffindor Quidditch team so really he just like instead of getting any kind of punishment in his life he just keeps getting rewarded for things but you know that's just kind of how it is uh, next one we move to them going up some stairs which are absolutely terrifying in my mind like those things have no railings when the they start to move at the bottom like you could easily just walk off one of those if you weren't paying attention uh, and it goes up to a random floor they decide to get off the stairs and go right into the third floor corridor uh, 
where they run into Mrs. Norris, the caretaker's cat. Uh, they decide to go into a randomly locked room, uh, and <laughs> behind them is just a giant Cerberus. Just a giant three-headed dog. Uh, and I guess this is where the death comes from. Well, the guard... We see that the dog is guarding a trap door. At least Hermione noticed that. Uh, the other two were too busy looking at its heads. Uh, and now we get the another great iconic line from this movie. I'm going to bed before either of you comes up with another clever way to get us killed. Or worse, expelled. She needs to sort out her priorities. There's the other one. Oh, there's so many good lines in this that are used forever. Um, so I think a couple more things here happened. I didn't really make notes about it, but we get to the most important part of this entire movie, apparently the Quidditch mat or the Quidditch lesson, I guess. So I'm not quite there yet. Um, yet just kind of a overview of Quidditch, kind of whatever, uh, Quidditch becomes not a big thing in this after the second movie anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, we then see Ron fail again at w waving his wand around. Uh, no swish and flick for him, even though he was just told it. And guess what, Ron? It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. Come on, everyone knows that. Um, he is then starts to be shitty and says, well, let's see you do it. And Hermione does it instantly. Uh, jealous and, again, because he's kind of a shitbag. On the way out, he starts to make fun of Hermione for being so good at school basically. And, you know, he can't even do that right because he doesn't look around him before he starts making fun of somebody and she is right behind him and she starts crying. We move on to the Halloween feast as it's in full swing and, man, I would love to go to one of these feasts. It is, oh, just all that food. Um, when Coral runs into the uh, into the Great Hall saying that there's a troll in the dungeon and then he passes out because, you know, who doesn't want a defense against the dark art teacher who can't even hold, handle the fact that there's a troll in the dungeon? Like, I think from now on, that's how I'm going to start coming into parties. I'm just going to run in and say, Troll! <laughs> there's a troll in the dungeon. And then pass out. And then pass just out. Just thought you should know. <laughs> just thought you should know. Yep. And then um, behind me comes one of our friends. <laughs> that really doesn't go over, over very oh, well man. for them. That's going to be a tough one. <laughs> that, that would be a tough one. I don't know if I can get behind that one, Gabe. Oh, jeez. Uh, what if it's you? Uh, so oh, the, teachers go off, or the teachers go off to the dungeons, and the students go off to the dormitories, and Harry and Ron go to the girls' bathroom. Uh, and, oh, guess who goes, goes to the girls' bathroom? The troll. <laughs> Harry and Ron try and help. Harry rides the... Uh, troll and sticks his wand up the troll's nose. Disgusting. Oh, yeah. Um, and ride, riding a troll and sticking my wand up his nose. <laughs> Sounds like a Saturday night. I have here in quotations that Carmen will probably make a lewd comment. And no, Carmen, that was not a euphemism. <laughs> uh, these are children. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you knew that I was going to yeah. make a comment about that? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, All right, here, continue. Ron does something crazy. He actually makes a spell work and knocks out the trolls with his own club. The teachers come into the bathroom and Hermione says she went looking for the troll, but you know, she was in the girls' bathroom anyways. Why didn't she just say that, like, she was in there, like, going to the bathroom and the guys went to go help, like, say that there was a troll and that she should come. Instead, she says that she uh, there's a troll in the... or she went after the troll because she'd read about them. So she gets five points taken away, which seems kind of like a small amount of points to be taken away for uh, running after a troll and maybe getting yourself killed. 
and then the boys get a total of 10 points for taking out the troll, which also seems like a very low amount of points coming in. Because let's be honest, that should have been worth like a thousand each because they just took out an entire, like a fully grown mountain troll. But, you know, the point system doesn't make any sense anyways. But yeah, now they're all friends because you can't do something like that without becoming friends. Though maybe they could ditch Ron <laughs> and then so uh, Hermione and Harry could just like date in the future. But that probably doesn't happen. Harry gets my, a gift from... Oh, so your oh. fan fiction, Ben. Yeah, so I swear, it was my fan fiction, man. Did you write fan fiction for this? No. <laughs> I'm not that much of a nerd. Uh, you fooled me. If, oh, yeah, wow. uh, yeah. There's very... I didn't know there were varying degrees of being a nerd. Oh, but yeah. There you go. Yeah. There's, a, huh? there's me and then there's fan fiction. <laughs> it's like you're like one level below fan fiction. <laughs> Okay, kind of pretty much. You. I'm Ben Drake, level nerd. Okay, gotcha. And oh, then there's okay, like, okay. I'm Carmen McCutcheon type nerd. And then right. there's I'm Cave Troll. Nerd. <laughs> is yeah. that kind of in between the two of them? <laughs> no, I think that's like me, just like staying in, the, in my room playing PlayStation. Oh jeez. All right, so here, Harry gets a gift from Professor McGonagall and Nibus Two Thousand, a super expensive broom that seems like a weird thing to give your students because. It, uh, it makes it sound like it's like one of the most expensive brooms out there at the time. Um, that's that's some major favoritism right there. But, you know, maybe she felt bad for leaving him with the Dursleys for all those years. <laughs> maybe she's like, oh, shit, I just made him like become a slave for 10 years. Maybe I'll give him a broom and he'll forgive me. Oh, man. <laughs> you, wow. you give someone a broom after making them a slave for a bunch of years? Jeez. That doesn't fix oh, that's things. Rough. <laughs> And that's, uh, uh, what game's gonna tell me to turn it off? I shouldn't make <laughs> yeah. any more comments about no, that. You're done. All right. This, from this section to this section, we're editing out. Okay. It yeah. has to be edited out. You have to edit that out. That that's, one, we, I yeah. can't even, I can't even. I didn't say anything one. about it. You just did. No, I'm not, I didn't say that it's oh, relevant. Guys. Oh, you guys, that's rough. All right. Here we get into more jelly people. Uh, and the blatant cheating, cheating that it goes on on the Quidditch pitch from the Slytherins. Um, like, yeah, in the books, they don't seem to cheat this much. But, you know, in the movie, they can do whatever the hell they want. Um, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, here it we also get like, to see... It looks Jordan's like... I have to say this. We have to say this. I think we have to say this. It looks like, for those of you who can't see it, because it's a podcast, it looks like, because it's Jar Jar Binks on the top, and his arms are sticking out, and the way the straw is inserted is it's inserted through the back of, of his neck. So it looks like Carmen's sucking out Jar Jar Binks' spinal fluid. <laughs> oh, it, tastes, it tastes like car wash. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> it's like it's, it's the, the, of, like, the <laughs> lemon lime water I put in here and like the plastic just deteriorating for like 20 years. Oh, That's geez. disgusting. Next uh, thing you tell me is you have a Jurassic Park mug. Uh, my parents have some if you want them. <laughs> I know, I've seen them. <laughs> oh, oh, shit, yeah, right. <laughs> All right, so here uh, the match ends uh, when Harry is going after the snitch and almost swallows it. It's kind of gross because it makes it look like he's going to throw up. But he catches the snitch and wins for Gryffindor. Yay! None of this the entire game doesn't make any sense, but whatever. Um... But don't forget about that because it's going to become important later, eventually. Somewhere, uh, Snape also is jinxing the Bruins somewhere in that game. 
or it looks like he is because he's a big fat cheater and he wants his house to win because uh, <clears throat> he does not respect the fine art of Quidditch probably because he got bullied by some greasy because you know he's a greasy nerd in school uh, Hermione lights him on fire though which makes the jinx stops and then Gryffindor wins yeah, sorry, that was all a little out of order, but who cares? It was just a quick solution to things like lighting teachers on fire. Yep. That is a fucked up message that to give super, to kids. That's super messed up. Uh, random note here. Uh, in all the books, uh, Slytherin teams, the Slytherin team was always fully made of males. And this one uh, had a female keeper. You know, good on you movies for trying to add that in. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and I think, Carmen, you have some stuff to talk about Quidditch later, too, which will be interesting. Oh, I got a lot of things to talk about, mm -hmm. that's for sure. Um, I think we can skip a lot of this next part. Um it's Christmas. They get some gifts, uh, just in time for finding, trying to find out who Nicholas Flamel is, uh, who was the creator of the Philosopher's Stone. Um, he gets a invisibility cloak, which, uh, you know, is just a very overpowered thing that he has throughout the entire series. Uh, also, uh, yeah, you know, uh, he never got any gifts before, so he gets this sweet thing, and he gets like a sweet sweater from Mrs. Uh, Weasley very touching moment. I don't, know if it, I don't know if I would say it's sweet. It's more like... To him, I'm sure it was. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It was like, she's thinking about him. You know, it's very sweet. She becomes like a surrogate mother. So... Mm. Um, let's see. Skip down here. Uh, he goes to the restrictions section of the library to try to find out who Nicholas Flamel is. Uh, but he opens a screaming book. Also, some of the books that they describe in that library in the books are like messed up. Like once made like with human skin and stuff. Just, like, why would you have that in there? Come on. I mean, so, you know, who doesn't have a book of human skin on their shelf? Am I right, ladies? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right. Um, moving along here. Um, after opening the screen book, Filch starts to run in, so Harry freaks out and ends up running into Snape, who is berating Quirrell about loyalties. Uh, here we just get more proof that Snape is an ass of a person. Um, he then runs into a room with the mirror of Erised that shows Harry his parents. He then runs off to Ron to show him this mirror and shows Ron being cool. But you know, let's let's be honest, neither of those things will ever happen. Harry starts his moping session for the first time in this series, uh, which he does a lot throughout this series. Uh, Ron tries to cheer him up, but he and he tells him not to go back to the mirror, but inevitably he does, because, you know, if your parents die before you were born, you probably just want to go see them a lot. Uh, even if they were just standing there doing nothing. And a note, in the books, he gets to see his entire family, not just his parents. So, like, anyone in his family, uh, that's which is, like, another reason, like, oh, man, I want to go see all my family. Like, that'd be, yeah, kind of tragic. But this time, Dumbledore is there, and he tells Harry that it shows you what you want most in this world. And that the happiest man alive would only see himself. Uh, though uh, the mirror would be moved tomorrow, and he advised Harry not to go looking for it again. Because it does not do, not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Another, uh, so many good quotes in this movie. That was my favorite line from the movie. Yeah. Uh, Alright, time to study. Again, in the Great Hall for some reason, instead of the common rooms. It's really weird, because in the books they never do that. It's always in the common rooms that they study, or in the library. But, uh, in this extended scene, Hermione berates Ron for looking at his chocolate fart frog cards and asks him a simple quiz question, which he then fails very hard. Uh, 
because he is asked about a forgetfulness potion that he forgets how to make it. But uh, it's good here because he gets to, uh, he throws another Dumbledore card to the side where Harry reads that the name Nicholas Flamel on there, the famous alchemist and inventor of the Philosopher's Stone. Um, we get transported to Hagrid's hut where the three uh, berate him to try and talk to him about the stone and that Snape is trying to steal it. Uh, we later learn that that's a bunch of bullshit, but at the time, uh, Hagrid tells them that Snape is one of the teachers trying to protect the stone. Um, we also learn see the birth of Norbert the dragon. Uh, this is a very big part of the books, but is ignored fully in the movies. Uh, and creeping through the window at this moment is Malfoy, which is like, you know, he's probably out there just like, oh, what's happening here? I mean, what the hell? Big time. Like, how would he even know they were there? Like, this is like a past bedtime and they had to like come in their invisibility cloaks. Like, how would they know that they were down there? Like, what was the actor's name? Uh, I don't know. Tom something. Tom Keeping Felton? Tom Felton. There we go. Oh, Figure it out. Rough. He actually Got auditioned there. for both Ron and Terry <laughs> before oh, yeah? Malfoy. Yeah. Oh damn. Uh, so uh, yeah, I don't understand. Like in the movie or in the book, it's a very different plot, but this has a lot of plot holes there because there's no reason that he would be down there too. But uh, because of this, uh, they lose a bunch of points. I think it's like fifty each. Uh, who cares? No one cares about the point system, and they each get detention. All four of them. That's right, Malfoy. You idiot. Of course you're getting. You're out on the grounds at night. Of course you're gonna get punished. You stupid little shit bag. Now for detention, you may think, oh man, they probably have to do a bunch of lines, saying something like, "I will not go out at night" like a billion times. But nah, they go into the forest instead, into the place that they told them they weren't allowed to go, and they go hunt for a hurt unicorn which has been attacked. You know, maybe the thing that attacked them is still around, but who cares? They're going to be safe in there. They don't know how to use magic, right? They're not shitty little first years who've learned how to levitate things, and that's it. Except you, Hermione. You're the best. That's one of the biggest holes in the movie. Yep. And in the book. <laughs> yep. Um, so what do they do when they get in there, Carmen? They decide to split up. <laughs> they send two students off with the dog, who's a coward, and the rest of them go with Hagrid. Uh, why didn't they all just go off with Hagrid and send Malfoy off alone? Maybe he would have got eaten. But, I mean, who cares? Um, also, a note in the book, uh, Hermione is not on this. No, wait. Ron isn't on this adventure. It is Neville instead. Um, let's see. Here we see the dead unicorn with a creepy thing over it sucking its blood. Malfoy pieces out at this point. But for some reason, Harry just stands here. Let's it approach him. Luckily, Ferenz the centaur uh, comes into the rescue. Uh, Friend hints that it's Voldemort drinking the blood and that Voldemort is in the dark forest. Uh, we move forward. Uh, they talk a bit about the dragon egg uh, being given to Hagrid from a man in the pub as they're trying to figure out more about the Philosopher's Stone. Hagrid lets slip, though, that you can put Fluffy to sleep with just a bit of music. Oh, Hagrid... Never tell that man a secret. He is really bad at keeping them. At this point, they run to McGonagall's office asking for Professor Dumbledore, who we have learned has gone to the mystery at this very moment. That's not convenient at all. So the three cook up a plan to go get the stone tonight. Not sure why they think they could protect it better than the teachers, but who cares about that? Three first years can definitely take on whoever's trying to get past all these spells. 
Neville tries to stand up to the three as they try to leave, but Hermione puts him in one of the most terrifying curses, in my opinion, uh, the full body bind curse. And being someone who's uh, claustrophobic, I think being trapped inside my own body would be uh, terrifying, uh, especially for that long, because they just leave him there. Um, we move up to Fluffy's room, where Harp is playing music already and the dog is fast asleep. They start to make it down through the trap door when the music stops. And they all have to run into there or jump down because if not, they would probably all die. Um, here they all get put into a weird ass tentacle plant nightmare monster that uh, looks like it should probably be in a hentai rather than a Harry Potter movie. Uh, and it starts wrapping itself around them as Gabe starts to put a flower oddly in his mouth as he licks it. But you know, whatever. Uh, we're all doing a little hentai stuff apparently now. Um, Aww. <laughs> Oh, Carmen, you're putting George R. Banks in your mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Um, here, everyone starts to cool down ex or uh, calm down, except for Ron. Uh, so they both get through the uh, vines. And then Hermione. <laughs> God damn it, Carmen. You and your fucking George R. Banks making out. <laughs> um, uh, where was I? Damn it, Carmen. You're really distracting me. I really need to turn your video off when I do this. Oh. Gross. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm going to redo this part, so I'm going to cut all that stuff out. What uh, stuff? Oh. You can't cut out my video. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> all right. Uh, they get through that. Can't, with, you can't uh, say that. With... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Okay. Geez. Sorry. Sorry, Proceed. listeners. There's a lot of stuff happening on the videos. Maybe next time I'll post a video of all this stuff. <laughs> um... Ron's not able to calm down, so Hermione has to use a light spell to get rid of the Devil's Snare, uh, because it hates the sun. Now comes Ron's time to shine, finally, uh, with a little bit of Wizard's Chest, uh, where he needs to win and not get his friends killed. Well, he kind of succeeds, he gets himself pretty hurt, but, you know, Harry makes it through to the final boss room. Here we see Quirrell standing uh, in front of the Mirror of Erised. We meet back, uh, we now, oh, sorry, oh, I meant, he's standing in front of the mirror of Erised with, where we now meet back of head Voldemort. I wrote that really weirdly, sorry. Um, and man, it would be so uncomfortable having a second face on the back of your head. And it would probably be super stuffy inside Quirrell's turban the entire, like, you're, like a year of being back there. Uh, what are you doing, Carmen? Um... Voldemort says that with the stone they can bring Harry's parents back if he only gives it to them. Uh, because there is no good and evil, there's only power, and those too weak to seek it. Together, Harry and Voldemort can do extraordinary things, calling back to Ollivander's uh, comments at the start of the movie. If Harry would just give him the stone. Harry then grabs Quirrell and turns his hand to the stone uh, as Harry grabs his face killing the teacher which would be terrifying like that's a that's emotional scarring right there um and maybe a thousand points from gryffindor for murdering a teacher but i don't know There's, no one knows how that system works uh the gold Voldemort then goes through harry knocking him out we move into the final section of this movie uh in the hospital wing dumbledore talks to harry explaining that everyone knows about what happened because it is a secret and naturally those can't be kept here so, if not for him and his friends, Nicholas Flamel, 
Oh, yeah. They had to destroy the stone after this happened. So Nicholas Flamel and his wife now are going to die. So, in a way, he kind of killed three people today. <laughs> like, that's kind of messed up. Um, leaving the hospital wings, wing, he sees his friends and says all is well. We then get to one of the worst scenes, in my opinion, in the entire movie. Like, it's such a shitty thing for this uh, people to do. The final uh, point tally. Here, Slytherin is in the lead. Uh, but after announcing Slytherin as being in first place, Dumbledore comes out and gives out 165 points to <laughs> Gryffindor, making them win. <laughs> like, if I was a Slytherin, I'd be so pissed. Like, it was like, what the hell? You just, like, decided you liked Gryffindor, so you made them win? Like, well, come on. Get shit together, Dumbledore. Do this shit before we get into the Great Hall where you announced us as first place. But who knows? Again, no one knows that shit. Um, now we get to head home, where Hagrid tells him that he can still threaten his family now with magic and to give uh, Dudley another pigtail, because uh, they don't know that he can't do it outside of school. And yeah, that's it. That's the movie. God, there's uh, even going through some of this, like some of those parts are just rough. Yeah, I mean, you know what? You do you, baby. Especially Snape. I just didn't mind Snape. <laughs> he's just, he's a huge bully, and like, he abuses the children, both emotionally, mentally, and physically. He like hits. Are we Snape. talking about Snape still? What? Yes. We're back on Snape. I think Snape has a very interesting character arc. I think uh, Snape is incredibly misunderstood. That's what I think. And I'm going to. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Keep going. Well, I think I think especially in this film, especially in this film, I think the character of Snape is fascinating because to me, one of the larger themes of this film are a couple of things. There's one is the whole concept of class, where you have these divisions of people. You have the elite and the non-elite, right? Magic, non-magic. But there's also within those layers poverty and uh, wealthy. And then you have these things that appear to be what they're not, right? Like Harry does not appear to be this chosen one, this this hero, right? Even though he is. And even Harry feels like he's in this kind of place of like imposter syndrome, right? Like he doesn't feel any special or different. And all these people are going like, whoa, you're Harry Potter. You're this person. And you've got um, the, the trio accusing Snape of being this horrible, horrible person. When in fact, we find out at the end of this film, he actually was trying to help. And I don't want to jump onto Carmen's thing because Carmen brings up a really good point of what Snape says to Harry before the Quidditch match, and I'm going to let you say that now. Oh, I, well, yeah, there's this part when, like, right before Quidditch match, Snape goes up to Harry, and he's like, oh, good luck today on oh. the Quidditch match, Harry Potter. I'm sure it will be no problem, considering you have killed a troll. And so it's like, you know, I think that he, maybe, like, as an audience, you're supposed to interpret that as him being a dick, but actually, like, if you think about what he's saying, he's saying, like, good luck in the match, despite Harry going up against the house that he represents, and, uh, like, yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, you got this, you killed a troll before, it's no problem. But, and yeah. so it's, like, it's yeah. actually a pretty nice sentiment. And also, knowing what we know later in the films, or if you read the books, uh, which I haven't, I'll fully disclose that I haven't read the books, so I don't know if this is necessarily the big payoff is reading the scenes with Snape now, I find are far more profound understanding where Snape is coming from. Yeah, I get parts of that. 
but it's still like to me not just Harry that he's abusive to right like he's abusive to like a lot of his students especially like Neville right it's not an it's I I'm by no means am I excusing his behavior but I do think it it rationalizes the empathy side of it if if and I guess really we can't say too much about it because if you want to kind of keep things sequestered to the film um I think this is a conversation to have when we have Half-Blood Prince, when we talk about Half-Blood mm. Prince. Because to me, I, I am very adamant of making the argument that I think Severus Snape is a very complex character. And I think the fact that you they lucked out with having Alan Rickman play this character, the fact that uh, Rowling told Rickman in advance what was going to happen to his character, and him knowing that, and portraying that in the film, I think is... Um, that's some good shit. Yeah. That is like... That is some performance level synergy, synchronicity, uh, as much as he doesn't like it. When I say it, Carmen, I would say some fate, some magic, some astrological uh, astrology. No. <laughs> synchronicity, fine. Like at the at the bottom of a dark Scottish lock. <laughs> synchronicity too. But yeah. So, yeah, it's gonna be interesting as we talk about Snape. Sting. I feel like we could probably just have like a Snape section. Of each of these. Well, I think we, we I think like, honestly that's what Half Blood yeah yeah that's what Half Blood Prince is I think is just the time where I think we have a, a serious oh my god a serious Snape session yeah I think that every one of these movies has like really big Snape parts right like especially as you like pull them from like the next one and then as we when we hit mm-hmm. like Half Blood Prince like it's gonna be a way bigger and even yeah uh, uh, Deathly Hallows Part Two like he's very significant mm-hmm. in that too right and like. I think that it's, it'll be good to talk about him, but I think each one, like, he really shows different things, and I'm not saying that he's, like, a bad character, like, he's an interesting character, and he has, like, yeah. layers. I just think that the way that he treats his students and, like, the way that he treats, like, Harry and stuff makes very... makes him very unredeemable in a lot of ways. Absolutely does not excuse the behavior, but I do understand... Like, I, uh, my empathy understands parts of it, and mm-hmm. I'm able to be, like, yeah damn yeah yeah for sure and i think that's why i don't dislike him i think actually i really like that character a lot Mm. uh but yeah anyways uh, what i was just saying oh right so this film is about um superficial how things look to what they actually are Mm -hmm. and i think appearances can be deceiving in this film quite a lot and the whole concept i think of class is really evident in this film um and that's what i really that was my big takeaway which is i realized like i'm quite surprised that you know, the director of Home Alone could pull that off mm-hmm. um, because Home Alone is such a campy, goofy film. And I mean, Home Alone 2 is even more over the top. Um, and so to see uh, Chris Columbus do such a really good job of laying the foundation for a huge series um, and something that's really difficult because I don't know how many films at this point in this at, at that time period um, set up to say, we're going to keep these actors from this age right on for the next you know x number of years that's the only time i can think of that is like boyhood um where that film literally went on Mm -hmm. and he like like for like 30 or 20 years or something like that and that's a really interesting concept too yeah i don't know it's a really it's a really neat film that i and i just also maybe it's because i've seen some of the other films i'm feeling like there's a lot of second passes at it that i'm really into like I know who Nicholas Flamel is now. Mm-hmm. We've seen him in Crimes of Gender, Grindelwald. Uh, I know a little this. bit. I know about the Philosopher's Stone because of that, because you do see it in those. 
Um, and, you know, it's just like getting a sense of everything and like, yeah, I just think it's really interesting. I think the appearances can be deceiving thing is a really big one. Like school is supposed to be safe. School is supposed to be a place where you learn and it's not safe there. It's really dangerous to have all these things that are happening, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, touching on your theme then too, like, you know, your teachers are supposed to be, you know, solid people and like you've got um, Coral, like, he's like a hot mess. Like if he's the one that's supposed to be teaching them how to defend themselves against this bad thing and he's like betraying literally the school. To, it's, it's just really interesting. Anyways, I've talked for long enough. I'm going to go on mute and eat. Gabe, can you elaborate on the this, this status thing? Well, I think it's quite it, – so there's two levels of status that I see. One is um, – And sorry, you know, I, I asked this just because you said that it was, like, very evident in the film, but uh, I it wasn't immediately clear to me, so I, I'm curious to know what your thoughts on that are. Ron's family versus um, Draco's family. I think yeah, but they don't really get into that in the film. Yeah, I feel like that's – oh, but, but you can see it in the look, mm -hmm. like, of how – of, like, look at the trolley cart scene right like he's like right. god has already packed food and harry recognizes it too because harry is is from that same kind of thing and has solidarity with ron and, and like that's why that i really like that one we'll take the lot you know is because like it's, it's so rare for harry to have money and to have this privilege and that's something that both of them don't have right whereas you know by looking at the character of draco he's dripping with it he knows that he's got this access that no one else has and right in the immediate part, he's like, he says, Potter, you like join me and he tries to shake his hand, right? And Harry, Harry won't do snubs it. him so good. Um, and it's kind of like with Neville too. Like I think there's just these inter these little hierarchies within Are you cutting out a bit there, Gabe. Just give a second to catch up to the you. magic world that you Gabe, see. can you go back a couple sentences? That gets also drawn out in the other films as well. Oh, I was gonna say, you see that again. I got you, baby. I was gonna say you see it with Neville as well, where Neville's treated the same a little bit differently as well. So, like, you have these little uh, factions within the magic community where you have the elites, uh, which could be like purebloods, and then you've got these like kind of off sh off the shot kind of families. And especially with Neville, you you hear that mentioned quite a bit because of his mom. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, I, yeah. I didn't read the book, and so I feel like there's a lot there that I'm missing that I think I would really appreciate. And it's kind of like rewatching this film is making me think maybe uh, once I'm done my other books, uh, I should probably read this series. Yeah, it's actually interesting because, like you said, you haven't read it, uh, getting kind of your perspective. Because like I want to, I come into these with a very different perspective too, right? Having like mm -hmm. been obsessed with the books and I read them a couple times a year, and like they're ones that like always captivate me and stuff. But mm -hmm. having like that experience where like you don't know what all that extra stuff, so. It's interesting, like, if certain parts, like, confuse or, like, don't make sense to you because uh, you mm. needed some kind of, like, extra thing from the books and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it's, the whole thing is quite fascinating. Um, and then the other thing about appearances can be deceiving. Um, Carmen, you touched on this, too, about how children in particular shouldn't be treated as, as kind of, like, dogs or puppies, right? Like, you can't, they're, they're capable of thinking and kind of doing their own thing. And I think in this film, it's kind of like that, which is why the trio does what they do. And even in particular, Harry does what he does. He wants to get to the bottom of what's happened to his family. Who is Voldemort? Why is Voldemort back? There's, it, and it sets up this foundation of really, you know, for the film. And it doesn't feel to me like 
a marketing scheme. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Again, I've said oh. I've said a lot. So there we go. All right, Carmen. Let's get some of your thoughts out there. Snape, I didn't think he was that bad. I I thought that in, at least in the movie, the way they portrayed him, he was just like he was a weird dude and kind of a stickler. Fucking weird, for sure. Like, he's, like, kind of just like, oh, hello there. Like, he's just, like, ugh, <laughs> greasy and stuff. And But, I don't know, I didn't think he was that bad. He's a, he seemed like a nice guy. Uh, you do, you do, when he calls out Harry, like, in the middle of the class and, like, tells Hermione to put her hand down, even though she knows the answer. Yeah, he's first class. He's trying to establish control. He's a weird guy. By co- I don't know. I don't think he'd call out a student for, like, taking notes and then, like, get mad at him for not knowing all the stuff. That just kind of seems like a... You're putting down a student who is on their first day, and he knows that he is, like never grew up in this world, right? So like, it's kind of, it's kind of a, a shitty thing to make him feel shitty, right? Well, I think there's a lot of spillover of like boarding schools and kind of the rules that w- would exist in Britain for you know centuries before that that mm-hmm. goes on at Hogwarts. Like, how how many times in the film are the professors like saying like, "Come on, hurry up." Like to the kids, like they're just like you know wa- following up with the the teacher, like you know men who who just like come on, let's go, everyone yeah, line up. They're just like telling them like constantly, like hurry up and like do these things, mm-hmm. and uh, it's I don't know, I don't know why they would constantly do that. And I think it's just because like that's how they treated kids in schools for a long time in Britain, hmm. where they were like really harsh on them and just treated them like the noble savages or whatever. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So I think there's some historical reasons why they're doing that. But yeah, I mean, Snape doing that, I mean, yeah, it's kind of dickish. Like if you compare it to, you know, professors that you might have had in university or teachers you had in high school in, you know, where we live, I'm sure it's a very different experience. So, I mean, I don't really draw that comparison exactly. Mm-hmm. I think it's more like they're like, oh, I need to establish dominance over these <laughs> these wild things, you know? Yeah, so that's, that's what fair. Snape's doing. Maybe not the wild thing part, but I do think kind of going back to um, the whole experiences can be deceiving. I think you can see people like that that do abuse their power um, in a way of like they, ex- they they execute that authority because they can. And maybe they're not doing it intentionally or maliciously. In a lot of ways, it's like it is a lot like systemic racism. People do it but they don't realize that they're doing it. It's just part of what their training was or their programming was prior. And because it was never corrected or addressed, um, it just happens. And so I think it, I think the actions of someone like Snape, you probably might see from a professor or a teacher. Uh, and that's just how they kind of roll, right? Like it's just, that's just the thing. But that's a larger conversation. Mm-hmm. And one for a different podcast. <laughs> Snape is just like, you know, uh, a bit of hyperbole as well. I mean, yeah. there's, there's a lot of stuff in this film. Some things I did enjoy were uh, Papa Dursley's uh, burning the letters. <laughs> and he's like sitting by the fireplace. He's just like tossing these letters into the fireplace to burn them. And he like looks up at Harry and he like smiles at him and like just kind of like, oh, cheers. <laughs> like with one of them and throws it in. I really enjoyed that little bit i was i thought a really fun performance when they were at the zoo there was like this shot of this bat it was like a close-up of it and you could like hear its claws clicking against the the thing it was standing on like so loud and i was just like oh, i was why was there bringing so much attention to this bat that was weird 
know. I'm Batman. That's also topical. Michael Keaton. Uh, no, yeah. for a different reason, because oh. of the current uh, situation we we're in. Oh, I was, I was gonna say. Cause... I would, I would, I would agree with all that, baby. Yeah. That's what I love about that movie. It's, it's the whole thing. Is he be next Batman? Robert Pattinson is. Uh... I thought Michael Keaton was gonna be after. I thought Pattinson might only get one. Yeah, Michael movie. Keaton was like Batman, like way back when. Oh man, you gotta be looking at Twitter, Carmen. Yeah. What? You got to catch up. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, so the, the the one of the parts that I had biggest problems with, and that was the one scene. I was going to talk about this earlier, but uh, basically the situation is this: Harry rolls into the wand shop, and the dude's like, "Okay, try out this wand," and then he tries it out, and then like ends up like you know exploding a bunch of wands all over the place, and the boxes go flying, and it's like the dude's like, "Oh, whoops, <laughs> not that one." And then it's like he tr- he gets him another one. He's like, "Hey, try this one." And then Harry just does it again. And it's like, you don't think that Ollivander would have the sense to be like, oh, actually, can you not point the fucking wand at all my shit back here? Can you point <laughs> it somewhere else? Like, oh, I've set up a plain brick wall or a lead wall in my shop. Just point at that. And it's the test wall. Try out your wand against that thing instead of blowing up my shop. So I have to, like, clean it all up and fix everything afterwards. It's like, it, I, I don't know. That part was it was dumb. The, the wand shop. Just like, oh, let's blow up more parts of the shop. <laughs> And he was totally okay with it. Like, he was just like, oh, yeah, this is, this is the only way to do it, to test out a wand. That you have to blow up parts of my shop. And this happens all day. All like, day. people try out wands. They show up, and they're like, oh, yeah, not that one. It's like, or maybe they don't, maybe it doesn't happen that often. Maybe, like, you know, when, you, when people try out wands, it doesn't fuck up that much. But uh, I like to think that uh, that happens all day, and Elevator's <laughs> just like, oh, no. And it's amazing in that case that when Harry walks in, the shop is as immaculate as it is because people have been coming in all day trying out wands and fucking shit up. He's motherfucking John Hurt. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah, he's an alien. Hello. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> yeah, the part when, when Ginny says her one line, when she's like, good luck. I was just, all I could think about is Harry, like, turning back and being like, oh, I'm going to fuck you someday. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Should he be like, okay? <laughs> he is eleven and she is ten years old. I know it's gross. Come on, Carmen, get your shit together. Yeah, totally gross. <laughs> I mean, I, that's a big stretch, Carmen. I don't think. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, they, they I, don't think Harry's, I don't think Harry's thinking that. Also, I think Harry's gonna get together with Hermione. It's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, I kind of surprised it didn't. But uh, anyway, the other, yeah, you already touched on that. That line is not do well to dwell on dreams and forget to live. I really like that line. Great line, great line, great yeah, line. Yeah, it was the best line of the movie. Uh, I don't know if the entire movie is about that line, but I did think it was a great line, just a philosophy of life as well, mm-hmm. because uh, you don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But you know, overall, this film it was pretty fun. I enjoyed it. After the end of it, I was like, oh yeah, I want to see the next one already. I was excited mm-hmm. about it. Uh, it left me wanting more. It's just like a, it's a fun world and like fun ideas and stuff. Although not everything makes sense, but like, I mean, you got to suspend your display to a certain extent, right? Like flying yeah. motorcycles, sure. A, like a magic school, like where you can learn magic. Okay, fine. Like even like the do sex, <laughs> do sex machina of love <laughs> movie, when like it's like, oh yeah, Harry suddenly has superpowers, can melt this guy's skin, <laughs> dust. It's like what sure I'll, I'll buy that too like it's it's fine like and he's like oh protected by love i'm like yeah, okay i don't care about that but you know what the, uh, the quidditch match when the slytherin guy 
throws up the ball, spins around, and hits the back of it with his broom, and it goes flying through the ring, and that's how he gets points? Fuck off. Like, what are the, the Harlem Globetrotters suddenly became British and kids and riding around on broomsticks and doing trick shots in the middle of an actual game? <laughs> Ridiculous. Like, even – okay, the only way they can pull that move off is if they're using magic, in which case they're cheating, and in which case this game is entirely horseshit. Like, why don't you just, like, <laughs> cast a spell and make the ball go back and forth and through the ring, like, a infinity times, and then so it's like, oh, yeah, catch the snitch. It won't fucking matter. <laughs> Quidditch match has some problems with. I like that's what you have a problem with. Uh, if they just threw the yeah. ball through the rings, I'd be like, okay, fine. But then they do like some fancy ass shit, like the Slytherin guys. Like it's like they need to establish Slytherin as being like massive cock. So he like does like a round the back thing, mm-hmm. and then yeah. But like the throwing up in the air and hit him with his broom. That part I was just like, no, nah, that's fucking stupid. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I again. I I love this movie. I love all these movies. Uh. Well. Almost all of them. We'll get we'll get to that when episode five comes along. Um, but yeah, like I agree. Like as soon as I watch this, I want to watch it again. I want to watch the next one like right away because it was just like I always forget how much these movies draw you into the next one. Because really, they're not just like movies about kids and magic. They're like mystery movies, right? These guys are. This was written as a mystery novel. Like uh, what are those kids? The old ones. Hardy Boys? Yeah, it's basically a Hardy Boys novel with magic and Hermione being a badass. Um, it's Hardy Boys meets, uh, oh, Nancy Charlie's Drew. Charlie's Angels. Yeah, <laughs> with magic. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, that's why it draws you in, I think, so much, because it is a mystery, right? And, like, you're led to believe that Snape is the bad guy throughout the entire movie. Like, they really don't paint him in a good light at all from the very start. Uh, and they, like, have him threatening Quirrell and all that kind of stuff. And then, like, the big reveal at the end, like, I remember the first time being like, oh, my God, what? What? It wasn't Snape? It was Quirrell? Like, how is this a thing? Um, so I thought that was very interesting. Um, I liked that, like, the big Voldemort reveal at the end, like, him being on the back of the head. Uh, I liked watching through this time, noticing that Quirrell never actually touches Harry, ever. Like, not a handshake, nothing. Um... Uh, because like everyone that's else in the call. bar wanted to uh, shake his <laughs> that's hand. That's a good. That's a good callback. I mean, it's a very interesting thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just overall, very good movie. I think that they did a really good job. Um, this is one of the movies that probably cut out the least amount of stuff from the books too. Uh, later on, you get a lot of like, I think towards four, five, six, they cut out a lot of things from the books just because time. I mean, yeah, this movie was two and a half hours, and the other books are longer, like, significantly. So this and the next one are really true to the books, and then after that it gets gets pretty muddled. Uh, Because they could have made four or five. Or (laughs) muggled. You can't, you can't, I feel like we're not supposed to say that. We can say say muggle. Yeah. I think we can't say the other word. Yeah, you can't say that. True blood? The the other one. We haven't learned that one yet. We learned it, uh. Oh, I gotcha. In two, I think. Two or three. I think it's in Prisoner of Azkaban. No, it's the second one because there's one. Yeah, no future spoilers on that. All right, um, but yeah, I think that it's just it's written in such a way that it really gets you like into the mystery and like excited about what's going to happen next. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's very true. Um, I know that they were thinking about like making four into two movies, and I'm really glad they didn't. Uh, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, I do want to give a couple. Uh, thoughts about like the shifts from the books um one is uh <laughs> hagrid doesn't actually take uh harry to king's cross 
Uh, it's oh, really? actually the Dursleys who take uh, Harry to King's Cross Station, and they laugh at him because they take him to uh, Platform 9, and they're like, oh, well, Platform 9 and 3 quarters doesn't seem to be built yet, and they all walk off laughing. Um, Vernon, uh, the Dursleys actually have to get uh, the pigtail removed from Dudley in the books uh, from a specialized surgeon. That's why they're in the city that day, uh, when they drop him off. Um, Harry actually meets Draco Malfoy way before he does in the movies. Uh, he actually meets him in Diagon Alley, and he's being a complete dickhead in uh, Madame Malkin's robe-fitting place, and he makes fun of Hagrid. Um, in the gauntlet at the end of the movie, there's actually two extra rooms. Uh, <laughs> God damn it, Gabe. Uh there's two extra rooms in the gauntlet, one with a troll who's already been knocked out and one that has a potion riddle that Hermione actually solves. Uh, and it has to do with more logic side. So you kind of see how awesome Hermione actually is uh, and how important she is to the group. And then the last is the sorting hat was supposed to talk to Harry in his mind, like I mentioned before. And Harry's supposed to think, don't put me in Slytherin. Because um, that's apparently all it takes to get put in Gryffindor. Um but on that, very small changes here and there, but nothing major. Um, yeah. I do think, aside from the story and stuff, which I mostly talked about, like the, you know, the, as Gabe said, like the, yeah, the, the cinematography or whatever was really good. I was shocked. It, by it, just, it just looked cool. good. Music was fantastic. Yeah. The special effects were, yeah, like Asian or whatever, but I didn't think they were that bad. I think at the I time think, they were really too. good. Like yeah. would have been really good, especially if the troll looks really good. Uh, it's just the Quidditch players I found were a little bit too like gooey people. Like they looked like they should have been like an, a PlayStation Two game. I think they did use like an effective use of uh, special effects when they needed to, and yeah. they. I also noticed in the chess game they kind of uh, tried to not have a ton of special effects go on. I think like, a lot of that was practical. They, yeah, they had, like, an animation of just, like, the queen kind of stabbing mm -hmm. stuff. The anima animation of the pawn stabbing something. And then otherwise they just, like, had, like, the statues and, like, blew them blew up. Them up. <laughs> and so I th – but that didn't take away from the storytelling. I was like, yeah, this is still – it still makes sense and it's legit. Yeah. So I, they, like I thought that part was shot well. I like that Ron and Hermione in this know that Harry's the one who has to go on because it's all really – it's his thing. Like, they're just kind of along for the ride. And they kind of, like, even admitted that. When she said he's a great wizard, even though he never cast the spell. Yeah, what's the what's the what's the deal with that? <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I just overall, like I'm stoked to see the next one and uh, do some analysis on it. I'll probably cut back a lot more of the uh, plot rehab. Try take it down to about four pages again because I think I'd liked that with uh, Pacific Rim too. Um, doing that shorter style because this one just had too much to had so much to talk about for the small things because. Sets up everything else. I think the next one will be a little bit shorter. Um, yeah, what do you blink when you do? <laughs> I hate you, Carmen. Um, yeah, uh, so before we get into the, I mean, it's obligatory at this point because it doesn't matter, but because it's the first movie, but uh, I wanted to do what I want to call the prefect vote, which is voting for the best character in this movie. Um, so if everyone, if you guys want to like throw a nomination for a character or a Dumbledore for sure, Nate, <sighs> <Keep>. <laughs> um, and I think mine would probably be Hermione. Uh, my argument for Hermione is that she really is the one who's figured out almost everything uh, to do with everybody, like the entire mystery. 
um, maybe a little less so than future, but right now, like, she's kind of the one who, like, told them how to do things. She got them through their exams. Uh, she's the only one who seems to be competent at magic uh, in the three. I feel like it's just like whenever Dumbledore's on screen, you're like, oh, yeah, what's he going to do now? What's he going to say? It's like he, he, he grabs your attention, right? That's true. And he's such a good actor. Like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's Snape because uh, in the beginning, you're not a big fan of him. And then you start to believe what the uh, the trio will believe, which is that he's the main villain. He's the big bad guy. And then you get thrown into the loop where you realize he's not. Yeah. Actually, and when, you realize there's way more yeah. to him than meets the eye. When Quirrell says that he's actually tried to save him on the broom, that was like a big moment too. Yeah. Yeah. Transformers. Transformers. More than meets the eye. All <laughs> um, oh, right. So of the three, actually, I kind of like actually kind of like Snape. I think that you kind of turned me around on this one a little bit for this. Oh man, wait till we get to fucking half blood prince. I don't like gonna... the character, but I think that in this, like, when you look back at it, he really did a lot to help them. And I liked Carmen, like your point where like it sounded like he was being an asshole to Harry before the match, but it was like if you listen to just the words and maybe not the tone, like he was actually saying something really nice to him. I can't. I think I it can't... sounded kind of, it was kind of a uh, backhanded compliment, but I think it was still there. I think it's a kind of funny remark, but he's just he's got really bad kind of delivery because he's got issues or whatever. That's mm-hmm. the way I kind of see it. Like Snape doesn't know how to relate to people, and so yeah. he's kind of like, oh. Good luck, Mr. Potter. Yeah. The trick to talking like Alan Rickman is to not move your teeth when you speak. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I, I think I'll, I would go with Snape. I'm happy with that as our being our prefect of this uh, movie. Yeah, sure. Um, and then, obviously, for ranking the villain, who is uh, I have down as Death Eaters and Assholes. <laughs> um I think it would probably be... I mean, it's Quirrell and Voldemort. I think that most of the villains are probably going to be Voldemort in different stages of his life. Uh, But I think that... I think that Quirrell was an interesting villain because he wasn't a villain until the very end of the movie. Like, it seemed much more, like, subtle in the way he did things. And uh, it was also weird because it seemed like Snape knew he was a bad guy from the start. Or from, like, the scene with him and uh, the hallway. But didn't do anything about it. Good. Yeah. Fun. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this movie, and I'm excited to see what happens next. Awesome. As I said, the stop of the episode. You can catch us each and every week on whenever you get your podcasts. You can also catch us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I am starting to post more because I'm actually getting on a schedule again. Um, you can also email us if you have any questions, comments, if you want us to read anything out that is related to the show. Uh, if you want to suggest some, I don't know, some things about what we said, if we said some stuff wrong or whatever, uh, let us know. You can email us at thecooperatorsentertainment at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and I think that's going to be it for us tonight. Uh, and we will catch you next week with Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. The sex thing? No. <laughs> My question is, 
if you tell the sorting hat what you want like what house you want to be in and couldn't you couldn't everybody just be Gryffindor then yeah because it's I would be I would be really embarrassed if I, I don't I think it's probably the only one you can ask to be in or maybe Hufflepuff too but it seems like the other ones are like pretty what the fuck what are you saying what are you what are you, you know, hold on what you, you slagging on Hufflepuff let's be honest Hufflepuff will take anybody <laughs> yeah I got a question yeah, you got Hogwarts going on, and it's like, oh yeah, this is, you're going to one of these houses here. Hey, where do all the dark wizards come out of? Which house? Oh, it's Slytherin? Oh, maybe we should not have that one anymore. <laughs> I, 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 maybe we should my... shut down the white supremacy house. <laughs> do you think that's a good idea? <laughs> oh, I get it. It's a metaphor for Carmen. real life. And it's a metaphor He's... for our society. You know what, though? Honestly, though, Carmen, Why are you back on my house? Whole... <laughs> It's a huge conversation that I want to have when we start getting more into the films. Is that I do think you're onto something with that, yeah. because that truly is what it is, right? Like, it's eugenics. It's fucked up. You know, I've got to say though, with the Slytherins, they can't all be like bad. Like, there's probably like a couple people in there who like got put there because like they're ambitious in another way. Like, oh man, I want to no, be a doctor, you... and they go into the Slytherin. They're like, I I hate this house. Everyone else is such an asshole. I just want to do my work and go home. I feel like this is such a larger conversation to have right now because that's like saying, <laughs> "Oh man, I'm really, I like I'm ready no, to go." I'm off trying to be Norm Macdonald at the end of the episode, and the game just goes off. I know, I'm really, I know you really did that, Carl. Yeah, sorry. But... Well, because like when it comes down to uh, like what the houses represent, right? Like Hufflepuff are supposed to be like really good friends and that kind of thing. Uh, Gryffindor is supposed to be really grave. Raven's car claws are really clever and smart. Slytherin are just, they're ambitious, and they are, uh, I wouldn't say conniving, but, like, they, they do what they need to to get kind of ahead, but that doesn't always mean a bad thing, right? Like, not, again, I don't think all Slytherins are bad. I feel like a large majority of them are, uh, but that's, that, well, that's, that's like, awful. But, Gabe, that's like saying, like, I'm bad. Like, fuck off. No, 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 I, no, because to me, it's like, it's, it's using this, and I'm, I'm just... I think what it needs is it's it needs an overhaul. Like the whole ordering of the houses is an overhaul. I understand why it's there, but it's like saying that argument that we've been hearing a lot on social media right now, a few bad apples. Well, if it's a few bad apples that are bad, you know, like I don't know, man, that's a that's a very like don't eat the fucking apples then. Like maybe let's not sell like apples anymore. Don't have sports cuz a lot of jocks in like high schools are just complete dickbags too, right? exactly though but that's what i'm saying it's like i think what they need to do is they need to wholly look at the, the structure of that infrastructure and just they really what down, they need right? is a second hat to we put on somebody's head and it's like this kid's a dick like dick hole he can't be here get him out of here and you move on but to this one but that's the thing with huge monolithic infrastructures of institutions right like they have huge traditions of just keeping it on so um I fucked up the analogy, but yeah, a few bad apples, we'll throw out the whole tree and maybe replant a brand new tree. That's the better way of saying it. Thank you. <laughs> right? Burn to the ground. Burn to the ground. Raise Slytherin to the ground. But I don't think it's that. I think it's just restructuring it and looking at like what, why, why is it that the majority of those, of the Slytherin happen to be part of this, this faction of group of like wanting this very scary mandate yeah it's, you know yeah it's huge, i remember hearing man. somebody talk about it they're like all right all right so uh all the all the like the cool people like the people who sound, like, look they look like they're gonna be like kind of cool people they get to go into 
uh, Gryffindor, uh, yeah, like the all the smart people. You get to kind of you get to go into Ravenclaw. Like you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna make it. Um, you know, a Hufflepuff will just kind of shove people in there who don't like fit the rest of them. But you know, you look like you're gonna be like you're gonna be an asshole. So I'm just gonna put you with all the other assholes. It's gonna be fine. That's why I think it's a comic movie because it's like you need to know who the bad guys are. Oh, the Slytherins are the bad guys, right? Okay, now I know. No, th- no thinking required. Though at one point in the movie, I actually noticed at this time, Hermione's actually sitting with a Slytherin girl doing work, talking to a teacher. Like she's sitting next to them, they're all just like doing homework and shit. I was like, hmm. this is really weird. This would never happen in the book. But yeah, they were just like in a homework, like a study group. And I was like, cool. oh, but I w- yeah. But I wonder if that's also part of the larger thing too of like why that that house even exists, right? Is that you want all facets of the community. <laughs> you want everybody in there. So that's what I mean. Like it's a huge conversation that I I think is like you could use that analogy for what's happening in our life and in the world right now of just like why are things the way they are? Why do we listen to multiple perspectives and people's opinions on things? It may be wrong, it might be stupid in our opinion, it might be those things, but then how do we all coexist with that as a community, as a global community, right? Um, and I think this podcast in some ways could be like a microcosm of that is like we all have these different opinions about different things. We may not all agree on how they go about, but we're say, we're able to work out them through and have a dialogue about it. <laughs>